Welcome to the Gigless Podcast, a podcast showcasing the works and talents of those who lost their gigs due to the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast will feature a range of creatives from the Tri-State area who are young visionaries and who contribute to their craft despite the recent events that have happened. Join us today as our host, Remy Levovic, speaks with Daryl Yokely, the New York City saxophonist and composer. Yokely and his band, Sound Formation, have headlined in esteemed venues such as the Kennedy Center, the Paul Brown Monday Jazz Series, Salsa Meets Jazz Festival, and the Philadelphia Museum of Art. His latest work, Pictures at an African Museum, released in 2018 and has been praised in multiple articles such as New York Times, Downbeat, and All About Jazz. You can learn more about Daryl and his album in the show notes of this episode. Enjoy.
private league with teachers in, in middle school and high school. And then, you know, I went off to college at Duquesne University. I got my bachelor's in, um, in music performance. And then I went off to grad school at Michigan State and got my master's over there oh, in wow. music performance as well. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's pretty, in- that's pretty impressive. So, uh, so I take it that you've been playing gigs basically your whole professional and academic career. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, you know, there was definitely a time where it was more on the academic side of things, but as I was in school, little by little, I started getting more work, and then by the time I got out, I was working fairly, uh, you know, fairly uh, often, I think, out of grad school. I started touring with the, the Four Tops a little bit, which was nice, you know, coming out of school and having some type of income like that. That was a great gift that fell in my lap. When did you graduate? What year? Graduate school? Two, uh, 2006. Nice. Yeah, so I'm getting up there now. (laughs) Absolutely. So what does your typical gig look like for our listeners who have never seen you play? Uh, You know, it'll probably look like what you might envision, like I guess from a visual standpoint, you know, saxophone, piano, bass, drums, like it looks like your standard jazz quartet, but then the music we play or the music I write, at least I like to think it's kind of a little more on the original experimental side, so... You know, it's just funny, and, you know, we've been playing together for, I think, at least seven years together as a group. Um, My group consists of Zakai Curtis on piano, and his brother, Lucas, is on bass, and then a friend of mine that I met, actually, while living in Philadelphia, Wayne Smith Jr., he's a great drummer. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we've been together, and we, you, know, you, can, you can tell we've, we've known each other for a while. Um, when you see us on the bandstand, we, we smile and laugh and have a good time. So, yeah, I think it, the audience enjoys it as well. Yes, stage presence is so important. I feel that whenever I go to a show and there's no stage presence, the whole thing just, like, turns down for me. Like, I'm just, I tune out. I'm like that. Almost definitely. <laughs> you know who Bank is? He's like a mixer, plays sax. He's like a DJ kind of guy. Actually, now that you mentioned the sax part, yeah, now that you mentioned the sax part I feel like I might have heard that name now yeah yeah <laughs> you know, well, we went to a con to give context to our listeners we went me and my friend went to this uh bank concert and long story short everybody before him were all like DJs so they weren't really like dancing or really doing anything and the crowd was just kind of like everyone was talking to each other when he came on stage he was like you know on the sax like mixing at the same time like dancing and that's like a whole Stage presence really does make a difference, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like that's kind of his niche. I mean, I've done a couple, I, mean, I say a couple, maybe it's literally a couple of the DJ sax gigs, but I mean, I just show up with my mic and, and play to the track. But that's <laughs> so fun. Sounds like he's, he's got it down. Yeah, it, it is fun. It, it, it's a different element for me, but I, I enjoy it, and the people enjoy it, so that, you know, as long as they're happy at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. So you like doing a lot of crowd engagement at your gigs? Um, I guess I, I do. I don't really try to do it consciously, but I mean, I, I will, you know, kind of feed off that energy of, you know, um, obviously as a performer, it's nice when the, when the crowd interacts with you, but I've also learned throughout the years, sometimes, you know, when you're writing music, some people are not going to be receptive to it, and I, I've learned that I just have to kind of channel or, like, you know, feel good about what the band is doing, and even if it seems like uh, the the crowd might not be responding, still give it as if they are receiving you 100%. Now, I guess one way that I, I 
I really learned that lesson when I played in Tokyo because there was no clapping or anything after any of our souls and stuff. And I was like, man. But then I realized that it's not that they didn't like it. It's that they're really, they listen different different uh, rapport with the audience. They, they're just that in focus on the music that, that they're not clapping because they want to hear what's coming next. Yeah. You know. Okay, so it's a different yeah. culture, basically. Yeah, like a different exactly, response. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Have so, you played... yeah. I'm not sure if I, I kind of... Okay, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, have you played other places other than Japan, like other countries? I did. I, I went on a tour with uh, a great trumpet player, uh, Eddie Allen. We went to Brazil a couple years ago, which was a lot of fun. So, you know, um, I almost didn't come back. I was like, it's, it was, uh, even in the winter, it was like, the weather was so great. I was like, tell my, my wife, like, bring the bring the little one over and <laughs> stay over here. <laughs> so, those good times. I loved Brazil. I hope I'll get a chance to go back soon. Oh, that's great, though. So, Tokyo, so you got to Japan, you got to Brazil, you play in one of the greatest cities in the United States. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, it's it's going good, and you know, hopefully we'll continue. I'll, at least I'll get opportunities to do some other stuff. We were looking at doing a European tour this year, but I think it's it's not going to happen just because of the stuff that's happening with the, the COVID nineteen stuff. So, you know, but there's always next year. <laughs> Absolutely. So, getting into the COVID nineteen pandemic, how has it affected you, and how have you adjusted? Yeah, you know, I'm just like everyone else. Uh, you know, I guess. Uh, regardless of whatever genre or instrument you play, you know, if you are a gig player, you've lost work, obviously. Um, so I've, I have lost a number of gigs from it. Um, but rather than, you know, sit there and wish things were different, I, I, I actually kind of didn't mind it. I hate to say it that way, per se. I mean, obviously, no one likes to lose money, but I've used it as an opportunity to to uh, start up with a business, uh, like a magazine, online magazine business. A friend of mine invited to me, invited me to it uh, quite a while ago, and I said, well, now I have the time to kind of help out. So I started helping out with uh, this magazine that he runs, and it's pretty cool. It gives me a, another glimpse of the other side of the music business, like about, you know, organizing reviews and, you know, writing these articles and, you know, coordinating stuff. So it's just pretty cool in that respect. Um, and then I teach at a, at a school private lessons, but now everything is being done, you know, via kind of like this, you know, online. So that's a different experience. So it's, um, you know, I'm adapting, you know, you have to kind of, you know, figure out a way to hopefully generate some type of income in the meantime, you know, rather than just moping and hoping things will change. <laughs> Absolutely. So can you get a little into your magazine for our listeners? Oh, sure, sure. Well, uh, this is the magazine name is Oki Magazine. Um, it was started by a friend of mine, Tiffany, uh, and she's up in um, northern northern New York. But uh, since then, she's kind of stepped away from it a little bit, and uh, the friend who introduced me to her is uh, David Emanuel Noel. Just a little backstory. We met, I think it's about maybe 10 years ago, and, you know, he lives in London. Uh, we stayed close friends, he, and then I did an album that came out two, oh, almost two years ago. Wow, it's been that, that, that quick. <laughs> and he did the artwork for this album. Uh, the album's pictures at an African exhibition. So I, I wrote all this music, and, and like he did the paintings. But long story short, I, before I get off on a tangent, 
Uh, so he's running the magazine now with another friend uh, at the same dinner that I met him at, um, Mark Lodieri. I hope I'm pronouncing his last name right. So I understand your, your concern about pronouncing people's names right now. So, you know, those two guys are running it. Um, and now I stepped into it. I was a little hesitant for a while just because, you know, having to practice with the family and teaching, I wasn't sure I could commit. But, you know, with no, no restrictions now, I've, I've been helping out and promoting different artists with their new releases and stuff and different subject matters I think are important. So it's a, it's a lot of fun being on the, the, I guess, creative editorial side of things, per se. You know what I mean with the magazine? Every so designer, it's, it's a yeah. a lot of work, too. Yeah, so it, it's, it's fun. It's a new venture for me, and hopefully we'll make it, you know, we'll take it off and get some more subscribers for the magazine. And, um, yeah, it'll be another way to, to bring the, uh, you know, network and, and get a closer-knit community for musicians and, and artists of all sorts. Absolutely. So this is the shift that's happened in your daily life, basically, is you took the focus from the music and you're putting it into the magazine, for now at least. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I guess so to speak, because, I mean, I, you know, in the apartment, I can't practice as much as I want to, and the place I usually practice at, the building closed, so I try to be conscious in my neighborhood, because I kind of limit myself to, you know, about two hours, maybe three at the most of practicing, um, and then, you know, I, I try to sneak in the magazine work there. Most of my work comes at night after the little one gets up, because she doesn't go down for snaps anymore, so once she's up, like, she kind of dictates my schedule. And it changes every day. <laughs> Absolutely. I can understand that. Um, but, yes, so how, taking a more introspective look, like, how have you coped with this, especially as, like, a family man, as a teacher, as you're coming, you're getting it from all different angles. So how have you been coping with this? Uh, yeah, I, I have been getting, getting it from all angles, though. Uh, I guess from the, the family perspective, it's nice um, to be able to hang out. Um, but, you know, I guess at the same time, you after a while, you do want your space. And, unfortunately, you can't have that space. <laughs> but, you know, um, but it's just, you know, I, I try to look at it as, like, you know, I might not ever have this time again, you know, once uh, my wife starts working again. And especially once the little one's in school, I won't have this time to really spend with her, uh, in like, you know, one-on-one on a more regular basis. So uh, even though it might be not ideal from a, a career perspective, as far as getting stuff done the way I like to, I, I try to, you know, remember the positive things about it. Um, and, you know, and just take it that way. That Because if you think about all the negative stuff, it just adds to the stress. And you know, there's no point in killing yourself if there's something out there that can possibly do it for you. I mean, Oh, you boy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you know, not to say, yeah, it just—it seems like a dark turn, you know, thinking of it that way. But I, I try to not bring the, the negative news that's just happening and bringing in the house. I try to keep stuff a little bit more positive around here. Absolutely, I feel that media can just get from zero to a hundred, and just everything lately, the way that the media has been portraying things, it's just not positive. And you need that type of—I think we all need that type of positive reinforcement. Especially as creative people, because creative people are more sensitive. I feel, yeah, I know. I, no, I totally agree. Yeah, it's like, and I, you know, after a while, I just I tell my wife, you know, put the phone down. I mean, you know, if you're hearing this person said this, this person said that, and if you go chasing every source, you're gonna get yourself stressed out. And you know, not just my wife, I tell everyone this, like, 
you know, yeah. it can be from this, it can be from anything, but if you want to, this is, you know, I hate to say it this way, but if say this were like the last little run for you, you want to be stressed out and, and thinking about all the negative stuff or you want to enjoy it with family and, and, you know, at least trying to be creative and, 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 and do the best you can with what you have, you know. Absolutely. And I feel that, you know, you're a jazz musician and jazz and like jazz makes me think of blues at the same time too though i know they're both completely two different genres but a lot of musicians they play mm -hmm. one and the other do you play do you play do you ever play blues or oh yeah well you know jazz i mean it's, it's funny i i yeah there is a blues kind of like a genre i guess now per se but jazz came out of blues um and i, I think they're one and the same because blues was like the first origins of it you know down in new orleans mm -hmm. um so for me for me they're one and the same now nowadays it's kind of morphed into something else where it can be like you know kind of a very more simple blues or down home blues like you think like bb king but you know jazz musicians relate to bb king just as you know i think just as much as they would relate to like john coltrane or something you know because that's where the music was born out of um and it's still in there if, if, if people listen to it closely um and you know I I love the blues. I mean, now I might play some blues tonight. <laughs> you know, you yeah. know, especially in these these times, we need it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I think that because when you look at the lyric, I know that you know jazz came from blues, but I just wanted to separate it because we have a lot of musicians that listen to this podcast, and I don't want to get like a message saying oh, like yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. But I, <laughs> but I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> yeah. I love Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Every time, it was really scary for me. Uh, at one point, every time I would listen to Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings, 100 Days and 100 Nights would come on. And I would be like, it was like uh -huh. before I would go on a date or something about that. And when, if I heard that song before I went on a date, <laughs> that means I was doomed. <laughs> so, oh, no. <laughs> so it was like a foretelling. So... So, so for those people that are listening that don't listen to jazz or they don't listen to the blues, a lot of it is very, like, depressing kind of lyrics, if, depending on what song or what artist. It's a lot of struggle. So do you think that that genre... Oh, yeah. Do you think that genre could be thriving right now? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, uh, probably, you know, I, I think so. I mean, I guess maybe my neighbors hear my distribution when i start playing they, they start putting on the um the dis the disco like um beat music and so i mean <laughs> i don't know maybe I, I maybe i'm just thinking in my own little world and maybe i'm disconnected but uh, i would hope so maybe because i mean there's a saying the, the blues hurts so bad it feels good and you know sometimes you need that kind of release um so if you're not listening to the blues for any listeners out there maybe you might want to check it out and you'll you'll get your therapy <laughs> exactly it's a real it's a release because it's such heavy emotional music and the lyrics are just so intense and i think that you know why wouldn't be people like i mean why wouldn't people be singing or coming up with that especially when now is such an inspiration for that type of music most definitely yeah i mean uh yeah we never seen anything like this this is kind of and it came out of nowhere and blindsided, I think, the whole world. So this is definitely a, a new chapter. And I think everyone, is, you know, from careers perspective, you know, health and your family, everyone's trying to navigate it. So, I mean, I think there'd be a lot of inspiration for blues and all sorts of music happening right now.
Absolutely. So have you been inspired by this time as well to, you know, write more songs or has it, has it made any projects come out of you that you wouldn't normally do? Uh, I would, uh, maybe not so much that I wouldn't normally do. I think it's given me the time to work on projects that I've had in the, in the, in the back of my, um, I guess, agenda for a while, per se. Like, I've been trying to get more on the uh, Latin jazz side of things. You know, I, that's a very broad term, but, you know, trying to listen more and learn. So it, it's been good as far as studying it and kind of looking inward about what I want to do with my with the, with the band and, you know, just, just overall career stuff. So I think that it, that has been a, one of the positive things. You know, obviously, again, we all need money to survive, but sometimes... You know, these things, if you focus in the right way, you can turn them into a positive, I think. Absolutely. And it's just about being in that mental headspace. So what's the headspace then that you need to get into your highest state of production, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I think I, you know, for me, I kind of work in spurts, like, in... It really uh, again at, at this point in my life with with the with the little one and the family it is it, it, it kind of really is in spurts and it they kind of dictate my my schedule but I mean um you know when I do start getting into it like I kind of get upset so I have to be making sure that I get all my other stuff done like did I take pills did I did I do X Y and Z before I really go down this this dark tunnel and then you know shut out everything. Uh, so I, I, I can kind of turn it on. It's just a matter about when I get the time to do it. More if that, that makes sense, you know. Like the inspiration is always there. Like I'm always half detached from <laughs> reality in, in some some way, thinking about what I'm gonna do. Absolutely. There's a band called Crystal Castles. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but they like make all this weird ambient music, and Fever uh -huh. Ray as well, which he did the intro song to Vikings and that weird like faceless sound that's what i tell people the inside of my head sounds like because <laughs> it's just like i'm half here and then half like like just out somewhere else but but i completely understand that i feel that's a lot of creative people though a lot of creative people are like half here half like in the future or in the past or like wondering what's coming next for them yeah, you know, sometimes it comes back to bite you. Like when you have to get some business stuff done, and you reach out to these colleagues, and then it's like, where'd they go? And it's like, oh, they're just like me. I forgot. Like <laughs> I gotta, I gotta follow up with them many times to get stuff done. <laughs> yeah, I told, I was speaking with Jane, our producer, and he was basically just like, you know, this is great that we're doing this. I said, yeah. You know what the best part is? Everybody has free time for an interview because <laughs> I know everyone's right. home and not doing anything. Exactly, you know, and I think it's a, it's a good thing, you know, because, uh, like you said, it's a good documentation of, of the time and then to show, like, how different people, you know, cope with it, you know, because it might happen again and these people can have it for inspiration and so on and so forth. Absolutely. I would, I would not hope that it would happen again, but it's definitely to take back a reference and be like, oh, this is, you know, we look back in the past and I know that, like, Right now, everybody's panic buying food. It is the time that we're filming this, I mean, that we're recording this episode is Monday, April 6th, 2020. And I just want to say that, like, people are still panic buying food. 
and panic buying toilet paper and all that, those <laughs> produce things. And April is the time that you start planting seeds. So a lot of people are starting to resurge into gardening really heavily, like planting their own produce and stuff. But back in World War II, we had these things called victory gardens. So like, oh okay. And people would because all the produce would go overseas to the troops, so people were encouraged to have their own gardens. So if that could be, so you're right. I hope that people in the future definitely listen to this and they look back and they, you know they see the importance of local art and music and performance, but also see that, like, you know, we were able to make musical, artistic victory gardens for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. Yeah, most definitely. Well, yeah. It's, you a know, little weird a rant battle there. battle cry for hope. Absolutely. No, it's okay. I, I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah. Good. Good. As long as we're <laughs> on the same page. That's all I care about. Yeah. <laughs> you don't got to be on yeah. the exact sentence or paragraph but we need to be on the same exact page in the same exact book on the, in the same exact taxi <laughs> yeah i gotcha gotcha <laughs> very important <laughs> absolutely so so are you looking into different ways into expressing yourself like i know that you're doing the magazine but is there any like old instruments that you used to play that you're picking that you're picking back up or is there more exploration into like a whole other art form um, I think I, uh, it's kind of attached to the music, but this, this, uh, but not, I mean, maybe in indirect way, I should say. I've been studying a lot of languages at, 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 uh, at night, again, going back to the, the Latin jazz project that I'm kind of working on right now. So, um, you know, my mother is uh, Mexican-American first generation, so, and, but I'm from that generation where a lot of uh, uh, Hispanic families didn't talk to their kids. In Spanish, growing up. Um, <laughs> Hi. Oh, yeah, you, 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 oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> Hola, yeah. <laughs> Hola. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny because the, the piano player and the bass player, you know, um, they're, they're from Puerto Rican descent, and like we're all in the same boat. Like we can understand it, but like you know, to speak it is. It's, I mean, I, I'm getting better. I'm happy to say, but it's like it's been a struggle. But and I, you know, when my daughter was born, I'm like, I don't want her to grow up with me having to always think about it so i've been you know ever since she was even in the in the you know before she was born i was talking to her and what little spanish i could and then just building my vocabulary little by little so I've, I've, that's been an endeavor of mine and you know not only for that but again to understand like these lyrics that i hear when i hear the, the spanish music or you know latin salsa music and you know be, you know uh, just on a cultural level, just just many reasons I'm studying that. But then also my wife is Japanese, and you know when they get older or get mad at me, I don't want to be you know wondering what they're saying. So I'm studying Japanese as well right now too. So I'm getting a lot of language stuff happening, which is good. You know that stuff's great for the brain. You know, <laughs> so um, I'm not sure that answered the question. I, that's just one of the things that I am doing at the moment <laughs> no it's absolutely great i think that latin american jazz fusion is definitely a really fun uh exploration i'm actually going to send you a bunch of bands because i know um there's a lot of young cumbia fusion happening out in la and i know a couple bands from there that i'll send to you that they're just incredible and then there's also, for all people who are trying to learn Spanish that grew up with Spanish, one of the main things that I do is I turn on Netflix 
and then I, re I watch one of my favorite shows in Spanish. That way I have mm. the plot line already in my head, but I can correlate that to Spanish. And another thing is, right here next to me, I have En el Tiempo de las Mariposas in Spanish, in the Time of the Butterflies. I'll take books. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'll take books and I'll read them out loud, because I can read in Spanish. I don't know about you. And I'll also send you yeah. more resources, because I'm really big on that. They actually... When my mother told me about that, she told me that it was on the news that basically, and this was in the early 90s, they, they were telling people that if you taught your kids two languages at the at the same time, that they would grow up to be insane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. That yeah. was the whole yeah, thing. They were, they were pushing that, that if you taught your children, they would never be able to, like all these lies saying like they would never be able to fully grasp English or they wouldn't be able to... Be, they would be developmentally stunted, stuff like that. It was like a whole. I know someone who's writing a dissertation on it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, because I know my dad. He didn't want to be left out of the conversation, so that's why my mom used to speak to me. And you know, it's funny. All of my cousins, none of, we all can kind of understand it to an extent, but none of us speak it. So it's like a whole generation that is just, you know, that that doesn't really uh, relate on that cultural level as far as just speaking the language, but. Um, I'm getting there little by little. Right? It's funny you mentioned the books right now. I mean, one of the, the, the inspiration for my project is a Cien Años de Soledad by Gabriel Garcia Marquez. So I've been kind of writing the music from, from that book. And I read it in English, and it's hard enough in the language I understand, but, you know, trying to read that book in Spanish is it's intense. <laughs> Absolutely. And can you translate that for our listeners? Oh, it's 100 Years of Solitude. So. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Just so we could have, we don't have subtitles when you're listening to podcasts. But, yeah, but absolutely. So, is there any kind of, you know, so can you talk a little bit more about your Latin project then? Because I'm really interested in that. You know, it, yeah, it's uh, kind of, it's kind of similar in the, in some sense to my last project I did, Pictures of an African Exhibition, where I, I kind of, I it's uh, more of a historical narrative in my own mind, and I. And my, like I said, my buddy David, he painted pictures um, to the music I wrote. But, you know, so he kind of was influenced by what I did. But now in this sense, uh, I'm kind of being influenced by literary work. So what my goal is is to try to paint these pictures and tell the story of the book through sound. Um, so, you know, I'm doing a lot of research on it right now about um, cause I, a lot of these things. The, the events in the book are based off of events that happened to Marquez in Colombia, yep. you know, during his life. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm doing that. I actually got to sit down tonight and try to reach out to some of these professors at Columbia and, and NYU to see if they'll respond to some, some inquiries that I have about the book. You know, it's, it's, it's such a very involved book. But, you know, it, it, one of the things about it is that people say this book is like the, the Bible for Latin America, basically, you know, like it's, it's must read literature for not, you know, not only Latin America, but the whole world, but, but it's like one of those, it's like the Don Quixote, you know, it's, like it's on that level. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, so I, you know, with that kind of um, presence and, you know, that kind of people are familiar with the work, I want to make sure I do it justice by, you know, researching as much and um, you know, bringing something really strong, and, um, and I'm sorry, back to my original point, I, I have a tendency to, to go off if you haven't noticed. Everyone but, um, does on this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's all but, good. But, you know, 
Yeah, it's, it's um, you know, a lot of people say this, this, this book kind of encompasses all of Latin America. So I'm trying to do that with the music too, where it's not just music from Colombia, but you know, it has influences from maybe the the, the tango in Argentina, you know, uh, Cuban music, you know, with the rumba and you know Puerto Rican music, salsa and maybe flamenco from from Spain. All these different elements that have been mixed in, you know, obviously, you know, the the Spanish and the African mix with is what you know, the result of a lot of the music that we hear today. So I'm trying to bring all that to the forefront in this project, too. So it's a lot of research from historical side of things, you know, language thing, and then the, the music, which I'm really having a lot of fun learning about. I'm going to send you so many things because I've said this on the show before, but I'm Cuban Argentinian. That's my heritage. And Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. So all that stuff, I'm definitely going to send you some uh, Ibrahim Ferrier, and I'm going to send you some, you know, some Celia Cruz that re- really isn't known, and some other Cuban singers and songwriters that were also women, but just not as, you know, famous, and then I'm going to send you some stuff from, uh, there's some female mariachi bands that I definitely like that are doing, like, a whole fusion thing, like, again, out in the California, because there's more, you know, Mexican culture out there than there is over here. Over here is... On the East Coast, it's more like, I feel like it's a, a lot more Caribbean influence. For Almost sure. definitely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I was born in California, so I know it, it's all Mexico over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's, it's cool, yeah, because, I mean, my, my actually, Zakai, uh, the piano player, his, his, uh, his partner, uh, she's in Pune uh, Solo Arte, all-female mariachi group, and they won the Grammy a couple years ago, so... It's just nice to see that stuff happening. Oh, you know, wow. That's yeah. so great. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, I could totally go on a... We could go on a totally different call about all this stuff. <laughs> but for... Oh, our, no, definitely. <laughs> so that's great that you're trying to get back into your roots, into into the Latin and into the Spanish... Like, So are you going to sing? Do you want to write song lyrics? Or... No, I mean, that, that's the reason why I play instruments. <laughs> Just double-checking. I know which battles to take and which not to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, I mean, maybe at some point I would, wouldn't mind writing the lyrics, but I'd have to get someone else to sing them for sure. Like, yeah, I don't even like to hear myself sing in the shower. That's how bad it is. <laughs> it's okay. With all, this, um, with all of this recording, I've tolerated my, the sound of my own voice, so... You know? Oh, gotcha! I hear you. <laughs> yeah. So, so are you? So right now, are you working with limited resources in going back to your normal work and routine? Um, a little bit, like you know, this place. I have a spot that I would usually go to practice late night to really work out ideas. So that that's been the main thing I've I've, I've struggled with is you know trying to figure out ways to um practice. Yeah, and get my work done without disturbing neighbors. Obviously, um, like I've been researching like how to soundproof my room and stuff. I just, but then I was like, you know, we're in, we who knows how long we're gonna be able to work. So I just put up blankets and try to <laughs> let that soak up the sound, you know. But that's that's the main hurdle is that, and then obviously you know split up gigs. But there's nothing I can I can really do about that. Um, and being stuck here, I can't really do live shows per se. You know, I, some people have that kind of space. I don't. I some people have been, you know, putting videos together and stuff, um, and that's just not in my card, so I just haven't been wasting time on stuff that I can't do. <laughs> Absolutely, and 
so we you forgot this question I forgot to ask this question earlier but when did you learn that you were having to shut down all your gigs with COVID oh it was funny I played a big band gig I think it was March 2nd and then uh, a buddy of mine said you know are you able to do this gig on such and such day I said sure and then the next day yeah you know we got the text saying it's off you know it's going to be your schedule to April such and such but now I don't think it's going to happen in April I think it's going to probably look to buy everything's going to probably maybe start in the, in the summer um you know so i had that and then the other gigs that i had lined up got shut down and then i knew it was going to get bad when when new york shut down all the all the bars and, and venues and i was like well that's 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 it right there you know that's that put the nail on the coffin for a lot of musicians myself included and you know so we'll see what happens with with everything hopefully it'll be okay <laughs> Absolutely. So where do you see yourself in the near future? Are you going to be looking to explore new projects? Are you going to get more into the Latin project? Or are you going to try to go heavy into your other instruments? Like, tell me what the future looks like. Well, that's a good question. Uh, well, technically, we have this West Coast tour coming up. Um, and I actually have to reach out to the venues because we don't know how long it's going to happen. So the, I guess the near future, I'm just hoping we can still do the tour. <laughs> you know, that's, that's because uh, I mean, the, the Latin, uh, the Latin dance thing is something we're starting to focus more on. We're, when I, when I switch to a project, I don't switch out immediately. At least for me, I, I kind of uh, meld into it. Like I'll still play music from the, uh, the album we did two years ago because it's still popular for some audience. So we'll do that. But then we start, slowly building in the other stuff until where it, the other stuff takes over the, the majority of the program, you know, so yes. the transition. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, but it's good to know that, like, at least you have, like, a plan or a, a sight of what it looks like for down yes. the line. Yeah. Where can our listeners find you? Because we're getting to our time cap. Oh, okay. Well, um, I have my own website. It's jarryoki uh, It's d a r r y l y o k l e y dot com. And so I know there's different ways to spell Daryl, and everyone misspells my last name. So, <laughs> so there's my website. I'm on Facebook. You know, just again my name, Daryl Yoki. You can put it in there. Uh, my Instagram is Daryl Yoki Music. Uh, Twitter is Daryl Yoki. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, so as long as you just type in, it's, my, my name is fairly unique, so if you just type in Daryl Yoki, you can find me pretty much everywhere, and then, you know, music's on sale on Amazon, CD Baby, um, what's the iTunes, but if you can, for all those out there, if you really want to support your artists, buy the product off of Bandcamp, we get more of the sales that way, so, yeah. Yes, Bandcamp is a definite must-have, if anybody is listening to this and they're a musician, I highly suggest getting a Bandcamp, because you will make actual money off it um exactly exactly <laughs> yeah and we're gonna put all those links in the show notes so that people can find you but it was great talking to you i know that this interview went so fast we could have went on a totally different tangent most definitely yeah yeah uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again because yeah, we, we, yeah I, i'm looking forward to getting the links from you too i'm, I'm really interested to, to learn some more stuff about the, you know the people you were telling me about Absolutely. And just so you know, Gigglist is going to continue. We're going to have like more seasons and we're also going to do a check-in uh, when all this is over and passes to see where everybody's at. So 
we're going to give it some time. So hopefully we can check back in on and everybody has their gigs again. Everything's all good. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, everyone out there stays strong and well, you will get through this. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Daryl. It was great to have you. Likewise, yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for listening to the Gigless Podcast, hosted by Remy Liebvik and produced by Dane Wagner. The song used for our intro and outro is Beach Walk by Unicorn Heads. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to our social media pages on Instagram at Gigless Podcast and our website, giglesspodcastblog.wordpress.com. There, you can find out more about the artist, contact the host and producer, and find out more about our schedule. Thank you.